Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and I thank you for starting your Sunday morning off here at K Mozart. For a lot of us, it's back to school season, and that means our pets are seeing a lot less of their favorite family members, which can be a little bit stressful. To address this issue, Jeanette Holiday will be stopping by to give some great tips and ideas to beat the back to school pet blues. Then, after our halftime break, Julie Anderson, the campaign director of Sea Shepherd Operation Requiem, will be sharing some news about how her organization is working hard to preserve our ocean's delicate ecosystems. So stay right where you are, and we'll get started with the Pet Place Radio Show after a very quick message here on K Mozart. Welcome back. You're listening to Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now from the Company of Animals is Jeanette Holiday. Good morning, Jeanette. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good morning to you as well. Uh, I'm doing really well, thank you. And I'm very interested in the Company of Animals. Can you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, of course. So um, we are dedicated really to... Um, helping you come up with solutions for issues that you may be having with your pet, whether it be, you know, a dog, a cat, or, um, you know, whatever other household pets that you might have. Um, We're definitely, like I said, a solution-based company. Um, We only use and stand behind um, humane products. We're really, we care a lot about the animals, um, so we don't promote any kind of, you know, the, the only methods really that we use um, are humane and kind of just promote really a better relationship with your pet. We're trying to educate pet owners to become, you know, the best kind of pet parent they can be, sort of, you know, yeah. just reminding them really that, that the pet is an extension of their family, an extension of their children, that sort of thing. Well, that's what we all want and that's what we promote here at the Pet Place. and. I know yeah. you you were talking about having them be just a part of your family, and you know some of the family is going off to school, and this can be a little bit stressful for yeah. for pets who are so used to having you know the more active humans around to play with and to hang out with, and suddenly their buddies are gone all day long. Exactly. How how can how can animals and how can people help animals uh, during this difficult time? Well, there's there's really two different um, there's really two different things that I um, tell you know our clients and our our friends and things like that. And, and the number one thing being is just keep a consistent schedule. You know, summer can be a hectic time with the kids being home from school, or or maybe you're in school yourself, you know, and you have a little bit more time off. So therefore, they're used to spending more one-on-one time with you. Mm-hmm. So creating some sort of consistent schedule with them in terms of feeding and going outside, maybe having a little one-on-one time with them every day, like a little walk or something like that. You know, keep dogs uh, thrive on schedules, much like children do. Yeah. So um, just kind of keep that, that same schedule, feed them around the same time every morning and at night and that sort of thing. 
Um, but I know a lot of people have issues with dogs who get a lot of anxiety when um, it, it's a you know comes to be that time of year again. So um, we at the Company of Animals we carry a really great line of products. They're the Nina Audison Interactive Toys, mm-hmm. and what it does is it, it keeps the dog stimulated for literally hours upon end, and it kind of helps them calm down and get interested in something else and not focused on the anxious issue at hand. So these toys um, serve as a, uh, a mind, you know, exercise along with a physical exercise as well. Okay. Um, we, have, we have lots of different toys that they can use that they're really, really great in kind of helping them, you know, cope with um, maybe being alone for a few hours during the day. All right, and and if you have a a dog that's really close to one of your children who's going off to school, would you recommend maybe getting an old blanket or an old jacket or something that belonged to that child and and perhaps offering it to the dog if he seems to be especially sad to to have to to lose this time with his best friend? Yeah, definitely. I mean, anything that um, can. Bring the dog some sort of comfort in in smell. They're in, you know, as you know, dogs are really sensitive to smell. Mm-hmm. So anything that sort of brings them comfort in that area is totally recommended. Like, um, I have a, a friend who sometimes puts her son's uh, t-shirt on the tug, like actually on the dog, oh, wow. and it and it and it, it calms him right down, and he can smell it and feel it, and he likes it, and. It helps them sort of get through, like, the first month of the back-to-school sort of thing. That's a great idea. It's kind of like getting a hug all day long. <laughs> exactly. And that's and he and he really enjoys that. I mean, you know, it depends on the job, obviously. But um, a lot of times, you know, other people will just put, like, like you said, like a blanket or a T-shirt or something like that, like, in the dog's bed or, like, um, an area where they might see during the day in, the, in their crate or kennel or, you know, maybe even in a room or something mm-hmm. like that. You mentioned also that, you know, you might be an adult who's going back to school for the first time even, and this would be completely foreign to your pets. And if you've been home during the day where you could let your dog outside when he needs to go to the bathroom anytime he needs to go, this could be an issue and perhaps even a time where you should start some uh, crate training again. What do you guys uh, suggest about that? Really just kind of making it uh, a positive thing. You know, it's not a bad thing to be in a crate. Um, It's not the end of the world, you know. So definitely if you're an adult that is going to be going back to school and you do have a dog that's not going to be used to it, I would suggest maybe, you know, start training a few weeks before your schedule changes um, just so that it becomes, you know, not a non-issue and so it becomes you know just make it a positive thing and then back circling back to those Nina Addison toys the interactive toys maybe having them start playing with the toys inside the crate so maybe that's their little school kind of you know for the day okay you were mentioning that oh I'm sorry (laughs) oh just sorry I was just saying that I've heard a lot of success stories with the people putting um you know the, the toys inside the crate and that kind of making it more of like a friendly place and, like I said, like more positive than negative. Absolutely. 
You were talking about some of the toys that uh, your company offers. Are any of these toys available to look at on a website? Can somebody check them out? Do you sell them on the website, or can you only get them in pet stores? Um, right now, we um, you can view all of them on the website along with videos and demonstrations of how they all work. Um, we are available in lots of retail spots all over um, the U.S., um, and we do have a few online retailers that... Um, supply them as well. Um, Petco carries all of the products, and then I'm sure a lot of mom-and-pop shops around the areas, you know, around your listeners' areas will have them as well. Um, if they're looking, if someone's looking for one specifically and they can't find it, just have them email us directly, and we can always get them in touch with the right people. Okay. Well, what is your website, and also what email address should people use if they have questions? Sure. It's www companiesofanimals.us and you can email uh, me directly at j-h-o-l-l-i-b-a-y at companiesofanimals.us Okay. I was especially interested in a product that was called the Dog Miracle Puzzle. Can you tell our listeners what that is? It is such a fun. Uh, it's it's such a fun toy. It's such a, a it's a great toy uh, as well to sort of like sit down and interact with your dog. I call it the Lego set for your dog. Um, <laughs> it can never be set up the same way twice. Um, it really forces the dog to kind of you know take a moment, really think about what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it's a little uh, a little red uh, piece of plastic. It has a bunch of, um, like, insects um, and basically all these, like, little different blocks, again, that look like Legos or, you know, something like that. And um, you can, you know, set it up all different ways, and you hide treats throughout the whole, like, uh, setup of it. Wow. And the dogs, therefore, have to go find the treats. Uh. <laughs> you have to dig through the blocks to find the treats. And it, it, it really is a very entertaining thing to watch as a pet owner. And um, the dogs... I mean, they don't stop until they find the last treat. <laughs> okay, okay. So so basically it's some blocks that are set up, and the dog has to lift or push aside these bricks, these stackable bricks with their paw or their nose. And if the owner changes the placement of the bricks and changes where they put the treats every day, it's it's like a brand-new toy each and every day. Exactly, exactly. And that's why people are really responding to it because you get so much different use out of it, you know, because some of the toys, depending on your dog, they'll figure them out, you know, really quickly. Mm-hmm. But this one, no one can really figure out because it's different every day. Wow. I think that's really good for older dogs, too, to keep their brains sharp, which we always try and uh, do that as a, as human beings, too. We try to keep our our brains active so we remain sharp and I think that's important for dogs so this is wonderful wonderful I heard that you guys have some kind of company mantra what would that be (laughs) I would say our mantra is um you know we 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 care about what we do we care about dogs care about animals in general um and we just we're really just about responsible pet ownership. We want people to enjoy owning their dogs and not just have it be this thing that their kids wanted. And, you know, we want it to be a relationship 
that they have with your family um, and just really enjoy being a pet owner and having your pet enjoy being part of your family and that kind of thing, really. Sounds like your company founder must have been a real animal lover. Can you tell me a little bit about your founder? Yeah, yeah, Dr. Mugford. He's he's phenomenal. I don't know um, where he gets his energy or his ideas half the time, but he founded the company over in uh, the U.K. in 1979. He's um, the world's first recognized pet psychologist. Oh, wow. So he, so he really tunes into the dog's uh, mind and thinking and, and sort of uh, interprets their behaviors into, uh, you know, uh, feelings and emotions that people can relate to. Um, and he actually, right now, um, he invented a lot of our products. So he invented our muzzles, our halsey collars, our harnesses, things like that. Um, as, you know, humane training ways, he really is big into being a solution to an issue. Okay. Um, and kind of getting to the bottom of that issue and resolving those issues instead of just masking them. That's great, great advice. I wish we could talk to our pets and just have them understand what we say, but since that's not possible, I really appreciate the ideas and the tips that you gave our listeners today, especially to deal with the new school year and all the drama that goes along with that. So thanks for coming on the show today to talk with us. Not a problem. It was my pleasure. We need to take a quick pet place break now, but don't go away. Julie Anderson, the campaign director of Sea Shepherd Operation Requiem, is waiting in the wings to share some amazing stories about our animal friends in the ocean. So stay tuned for this and more here on K-Mozart. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and with me now is Julie Anderson, the campaign director of Operation Requiem. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the Pet Place. Thanks so much. You know, we normally talk about dogs and cats and exotic pets, parrots, reptiles, rabbits, you name it. And occasionally we go out into the ocean, and that's what we're going to be doing today. I understand you have a very special project that you're working on. Absolutely. So Sea Shepherd's been working for 35 years to defend the whales, the sharks, and all the other animals that very few people care about. And we've just spent the last two and a half months in the South Pacific doing just that. Wow. Now, I know that a lot of people care about dolphins, they care about whales, they care about seals. But when you start talking about sharks, you tend to lose a lot of sympathy. Why do you suppose that's the case? Well, I mean, obviously sharks have been kind of victimized and demonized in the media for years and years. So a lot of times when we tell people over 100 million sharks are killed a year, they say, wow, I didn't know that. And then they say, so what? The only yeah. shark is dead shark. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... Uh, we have uh, we have a big issue to fight in terms of public opinion, as well as obviously um, the fact that sharks are nearing extinction. Many different species are very close to it, so you're absolutely right. It's hard to get people to care, but that's you know really what this project is all about. And I think what the problem is is that people don't understand the very intricate balance of predators and prey animals and how they're all kind of interdependent. And you can't just wipe out all the predators of a region. 
You're absolutely right. And, you know, I think that's one of the things we say to people a lot. Love them or hate them. We absolutely need sharks and everything else on, on, on this planet. So removing sharks uh, causes huge knock-on effects that ultimately affects all of us. It sure does. And I know that shark fin soup tends to be a very popular menu item in around the world, pretty much. And so... Full-grown sharks are captured, and their fins are cut off, and then the rest of their bodies are just pretty much tossed back into the ocean, and of course they can't swim at that point, and, and they die, and it's cruel, it's wasteful, it's, it's inhumane, and what can we tell people about this? Yeah, I think it's an issue that very few people know about, although I think awareness is growing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about building that awareness. So for people to understand, one, sharks aren't what they seem, and of the 500 species of sharks, only 10 have really been known to have interactions with people. And more people die from falling coconuts and vending machines <laughs> falling on them than sharks. So I think, you know, first of all, to kind of demystify sharks and take people away from feeling like they dip a toe in the ocean and, you know, sharks are going to kill them, um, and helping people understand how important they are to the oceans as well. I think if everyone's educated and also make very educated decisions about who they support in terms of restaurants, in terms of shops, in terms of even laws that they support, we've been very um, busy in terms of trying to get shark and soup banned in many places throughout the U.S. and in Canada, too. So all consumers have a very big voice. And, you know, next time you go to your local restaurant, um, find out if they're serving sharks or shark fin soup and try and educate those owners as well. And I think support the legislators who are supporting the ocean. Can you give us an idea of, of which legislators are supporting conservancy? Well, I think, um, you know, it really depends. It's, it's not necessarily a party issue. And California, Hawaii, Washington, they've all gone sharks and free. There's legislation right now in Maryland um, being proposed, in Virginia. It recently was turned down in New York. And I think people really need to kind of keep an eye to um, who's proposing this type of legislation and support it as well. Um, Illinois also just went sin free as well. So in several states around the country, it's actually an illegal substance, just like uh, drugs or anything else. So it's really exciting, and I think um, if people continue to understand that this is a movement um, and continue to support it, we'll be able to make not just the United States, but hopefully the world at some point soon sin free. I think that... From a worldwide perspective, though, getting that message across that we need to protect these animals can be difficult because different cultures place different values on different things and and might think that we're all crazy here in the United States when we're trying to support animals. How do you manage changing minds and cultures where it's just a tradition to to use these animals? in the manner that they do. Right. It's definitely something difficult that we face. And obviously, you know, if people turn it into a cultural issue, then it becomes a very, very difficult issue to face. But we've got a lot of strong support in Hong Kong and China. There are people that are starting to realize that animals do need to be protected and that it goes way back into their culture as well. So um, I think trying to appeal to, to the folks in the cultures that actually... Um, eat shark fin soup and some of these other um, dishes that are, are, are causing 
many animals to become endangered, I think that's really important. And I think staying away from it being a cultural issue. I mean, at the end of the day, the United States is one of the top six shark fisheries and shark finning nations in the world. So really? we all, wow. yeah, we all have a part to play in this huge supply chain. And I think, you know, if we all continue to, to stay aware and, and put the pressure where it needs to be, we can fight this. Oh, that's that's good news. I didn't realize that. And what about from an economic perspective? I mean, there there has to be major resistance on that front. There is major resistance from an economic standpoint for the very few small people, small organizations that actually benefit from selling shark fin. But the fact of the matter is, live sharks, in terms of ecotourism, in terms of keeping coastlines healthy, produce so much more income for areas than actually shark fin does. So at the end of the day, if you go back to economics, it really makes sense to keep sharks alive rather than dead, particularly for some of these island nations such as Fiji, Tonga, the places that we just visited. So if we appeal to the folks that are actually benefiting from live sharks far more, I think, you know, the, the very small population that is benefiting from shark fin, and make no mistake, those are the wholesalers, and, and, and it's a very small population. The fishermen themselves don't really benefit that much and get paid pennies on the dollar for really what the fins are worth at the end of the day. Wow, I did not realize that. Can you tell me when you're interacting with the various fishermen or the various businesses, how do you approach them? How, what what kind of words do you use to make them rethink what they're doing? And, you know, I think it varies depending on, on who we're approaching. In South Pacific, working with the local fishermen and working with the local businesses, they get it. They understand how important sharks are into their environment. I mean, they've seen what's happened locally when sharks are removed. So approaching them, they really do understand it. Obviously, approaching, you know, the, the wholesalers of shark fin is a very, very different issue. But I think as, as, as the public, we really need to continue to put pressure on those wholesalers and help them understand that, you know, they're making money at the expense of really the entire world. That's true, because if the ecosystem of the ocean fails, it affects the ecosystem of dry land, too. And, and I think most people don't realize that there's a connection there. But there's been cases um, throughout the world, including in Chesapeake Bay, where you know multi-million dollar fisheries collapsed, ultimately because sharks were removed um, from the ecosystem. So we're starting to really experience the knock-on effects of what happens when sharks are removed, and it's happening at a very, very fast rate. That's pretty scary. For our listeners, if you were to give advice, let's say you're talking to your best friend, only we're really talking to our listeners, what should somebody say to a restaurant owner who serves shark fin or shark steaks at their restaurant to encourage them to think differently? I would say that um, really uh, there's nothing extra in nature. Um, serving shark fin soup and serving shark meat and things like that are causing sharks to near extinction. And sharks are being killed at a rate of over 100 million a year. So that's obviously not very sustainable. And sharks really do keep our oceans, which are our most important ecosystem, healthy. They've been on this planet for 450 million years and are really critical components to the oceans that provide more than a third of the world with food, half the um, atmosphere's um, oxygen, and controls our planet's temperature and weather. So if we continue to eat shark and kill shark the rate that we are, we're not just hurting the oceans, we're hurting ourselves. That's excellent advice, and, and I would only hope that any reasonable person who listened to an argument like that would 
would actually take it into consideration and maybe offer something else on the menu. That would be a dream come true. Hey, let's let's talk a little bit about the history of Sea Shepherd for our listeners who are curious. Sea Shepherd has been around for 35 years, and we were founded by Captain Paul Watson, who is one of the original founders of Greenpeace as well. And basically our mission is to enforce national and national laws to defend the oceans. So we have been working for the whales, the dolphins, the seals, the sharks around the world um, for the last 35 years in places such as the Antarctic and places such as the South Pacific, Galapagos, you name it. Anywhere animals are legally under attack and slaughter and being poached, that's where Sea Shepherd steps in. Wow. Now, do you guys encourage community involvement at all? Do you need any assistance from people who are interested in helping out? We absolutely always need assistance. In addition to um, having four ships and a crew that sails around the world, we also do a considerable amount locally. So we have what we call onshore crews that help us raise awareness, help us raise money for our campaigns. It's not cheap to send four boats around the world to try and defend these animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're some of the only people in the world that do it. So um, it's really critical that we get all the support we can, um, both locally and also internationally. Well, let's give your website out before I let you go so our listeners can find out more. Great. It's um, www.seashepherd.org. And you can find out everything from our current campaigns, which um, right now we are in Taiji. We're also um, standing up for um, whales in Australia. We're in the South Pacific defending sharks. We're in Galapagos uh, defending the sharks. And we are getting ready to head out to the Antarctic to stop whaling once again um, in December. Wow, you guys are very busy. And I thank you so much for stopping by today to talk about it. Thanks so much. It's time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place news and events here on K-Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place radio show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place news and events. Is it time to get your pet up to date on vaccinations, or does your little buddy need a microchip? Well, today, from 9 to 4.30, a traveling vaccination and microchip clinic with a vet consultation and basic wellness exam will be out and about. No appointment necessary. Microchips, which include implantation and lifetime registration, are just $15.00. Vaccinations are just 10 to $25, plus the clinic offers testing for heartworm and feline leukemia and many other services. For information on where they'll be today, visit their website at www.thevaccinationstation.com. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.